Listen, one of my favorite uh, foundational truths is that God is present and deeply cares about us. And I, I you know, nearer my God to thee. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the hope of, of man's existence that there is a God and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the good news is it's not baseless hope or baseless optimism. It has its basis in the bedrock of our faith, God's holy word. So I want you to turn now to Psalm 8. One of my favorite things just emanates out of this chapter. Psalm 8, and I'm going to read it to you from the New American Standard Bible. And uh, I'm just talking about God's thoughts for you. God is thinking about you. And, and here's what it says in chapter 8, verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. So a little baby speaks a whisper in the name of Jesus and mountains move, demons flee. Verse 3, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. Look at this, verse 4. What is man? What is humanity? What would we be as individuals that you actually take thought of each and every one of us? You take thought of him. And the son of man, look at this, that you care for him. I'm aware of the plight so many of us have been through, that you've been through. Um, and I feel like I need to steer you toward the foundational truth, the security-producing reality that our Father is not indifferent and that, uh, you know, deism says there might be some God and some sort of power form, but he definitely is not involved with or engaged with humanity. And um, I don't embrace that. I'm not a deist. I'm a theist. I believe in a God who is a very present help in time of need. And I love this psalm that he is thinking about us. He says, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? And um, I think about Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, I have always loved that and been interested in why in the Hebrew it says a very present help. Whoever says, man, you are a very present help. If somebody, you know, uh, Tony Ellibrecht and the guys moved all the snow and made what looks like the Himalayas out there. I mean, there are snow mountains out there. We should all go on an expedition and go climb those mountains as they're like 10 feet tall. I walked around and looked at them. It's amazing. And they're not all dirty yet, so they look really cool. And, uh, but, you know, he came and helped and moved all that snow, and he's exhausted and shows it, but it's good. It's a good tired. And uh, very present. God is a very present help. He's very present. Everybody say very present. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's not evasive, he's not distant, he's not ambiguous. And this is the foundational teaching I have for you today. What is man that you're so mindful of him? And the son of man that you take thought of him? And, and, and that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than God and have crowned him with glory and majesty. We're the crown and glory of God's creation, the Bible teaches. No, we're not the top of the animal heap or some mammal with an opposable thumb that just accidentally happened. 
We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're made in God's image. I don't embrace, not only am I not a deist, I'm also not a theorist in evolution. I believe God created the heavens and the earth and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. You make him to rule over the works of your hands and you put all things under his feet, sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the sea. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Can I hear a big, loud amen? amen? And I think about this when I look at Matthew 6. You could turn there to Matthew 6, 25 and 26, when Jesus is giving a prescription for the cure of anxiety. And he says not to worry about anything. And in fact, he says here in verse 25, for this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. What reason? That you can't serve God or mammon, you got to serve one or the other. And uh, when you serve God, he's you got your back. And later on in 33, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Things about your adult kids that you're concerned about. Things about your finances in the turbulence of our times. Things about the nations. Things about people that you, you know, you're forgiving and you're overcoming and you're walking in love toward. He cares about all the details of every aspect of our seasons. He was faithful to me when I was a little kid before I was saved. He got a hold of me when I was a teenager and I was born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. He provided not one but two credible witnesses to communicate the gospel to me when I prayed that if, if he were real, he'd reveal himself to me. He answers prayer. He, he's with us in trouble. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so he says, don't be worried about your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. And, and they do not sow, nor do they reap, nor gather into barns. And yet, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? You need to answer that question. Are you not worth much more than they? The answer is yes. I looked out the window there. I pray and read by that uh, window right there. And I, I sit and I study. And there's a, a Bradford pear tree right there that had a lot of uh, little, those little ornamental pears, which apparently are good food for the blackbirds, because a whole flock of blackbirds came in while I was sitting there, and I, God had illustrated that, that even our parking lot ornamental tree that we were made to plant in our, in our Chesterfield parking lot uh, provided food for these, this group of birds that just came cruising in. And they never sowed, they never reaped, they didn't cultivate the tree. They come in and they go, hey man, look, lunch. I saw a red-tailed hawk over there trying to figure out how to wait until one of those blackbirds got fattened up so he too could have a meal. And it's a whole food chain. I was watching it. There's the bird there, there's a bird of prey there. And that bird of prey was looking differently than those birds. Those other birds were going, they had little eyes on the side of their head like little tweety birds. And th this bird had eyes on the front of his head like a serious, uh, well, not a Tweety bird. But they, you consider this, that God supplies for them. They don't even sow or reap. And there's so much information in the Bible about sowing and reaping. Uh, he, you know, if we sow to the Spirit, we reap life everlasting. We sow to the flesh. We all know the harshness of the degradation it creates. Well, then also, as a man sows, so shall he reap in terms of giving and serving and prayer and those kinds of things. You reap what you sow. 
And yet these birds don't even reap and sow. They don't even cooperate with that fundamental law. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Meaning it shows how lavish God's grace and mercy is. How it's not just a principle-based uh, bunch of rules, but that it's an, it, it, there is a father who cares even about wildlife and about, the, like I did a study on, on uh, uh, white-tailed deer because there are a lot of them by my house. We have so many of, how many of you have white-tailed deer uh, all over the place? We have herds of them living around the, the, the rural areas, sub, suburbs, even in, in, uh, in communities. Taylor bought a, my son bought a, a peach tree in his kind of densely populated subdivision. And uh, he looked out the window after he planted it, and there was a deer eating the tree in the middle of a subdivision. All concrete jungle kind of thing. And there's this deer running through the concrete jungle, you know, with a pair of sunglasses and an attitude eating his, didn't have sunglasses, but that's what I thought of. Urban, an urbanized white-tailed deer. But what I was reading about was, you know, I got concerned about what do they do during these super freezing cold days. And I went online and I read about how, now because I'm a, I'm a Christian and I believe God created them, he made it where during the winter their metabolism changes. Their hair grows out longer, makes a thicker coat. Their hair is such that when they lay on the snow, it doesn't even melt the snow. So they lay on the snow, they don't get soaking wet because God designed them in such a way. Take polar bears, for example. Underneath that white hair is black skin that holds the heat. And their, their hair follicles are hollow so they could get underwater. And they also secrete uh, sort of lanolin or something like that where it's, it's water repellent. So they can jump off of, of uh, the, the icebergs and with their cubs and go catch uh, those delicious uh, uh, sea lions for lunch. And uh, they, it, it's amazing what, how God created these deer, where these deer, even their hooves, don't conduct cold, and the blood doesn't run down so far. So it's like they have special, um, uh, God created them to be able to tolerate those, that cold weather. Same things with the St. Louis people. We've got uh, glycol in our blood. We've got antifreeze. If you test us, we've got a little bit of antifreeze in our in our. Uh, uh, Cooling systems and heating systems, right? Did you know that? No, you, I just trailed off because I made that up. But anyway, God does take care of us. We often are concerned about what others think about us. But it's, it, it is more profitable to know exactly what the Lord thinks of us. We're assured in this text that, that, that he, he is, his thoughts are toward us. Psalm 40, verse 17 in the, in the King James says, The Lord thinketh upon me. The Lord thinketh upon me. God's thoughts are toward us. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The Lord does think about you. He is aware of you. In other passages of the scripture, you're going to find in a moment that we're told that his thoughts are accurate toward us. They're numerous concerning us, constant, personal, Helpful and loving. And uh, so if you're a note taker, write this down. One number one, God's thoughts for you and me are accurate. God's thoughts are accurate. Psalm 139.1, it says, Oh Lord, you've searched me and you've known me. This passage 
and many others like it bear this out the statement that the Lord knows all about each one of us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows our destiny. He has plans for welfare and not calamity to give us a future and a hope. If you and I, we keep seeking first his kingdom every day, get up and it's not about me, it's about you, Jesus. Help me with my attitude, Jesus. Do a mid-course correction on me day by day. Keep me on track. I'm, I'm your disciple. Train me and teach me in the way I should go. Show me the work I'm to do. I do absolutely know you care. This is foundational, so this can't be vague. So you have to understand, he knows you're down-sitting. He knows you're uprising. Your, our thoughts and desires and attitudes, even the unspoken words of our tongue, he's thoroughly acquainted with all of our ways. In fact, whenever I pray, I say, God, you know everything about me. You know my heart. You know the good stuff, the bad stuff. I just thank you for your, that you include me in your purposes, and I just receive your grace. You know, And I, I just thank you, God, based on Isaiah 55, uh, you know, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. But what is man that you're so mindful of him? And the son of man that you take thought of him. This, this is not fueling our self-centeredness and narcissism as a people group. This underscores that we have a loving heavenly father that has our best interest at heart. He didn't spare his own son, but he freely gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's the one that protected you and got you to this point. He's the one that was there coaching you through the hard rigors and times of difficulty in your marriage. He's the one that walked you through the job insecurities and got you back into a role in your seasons. He's the one that's going to supply for you, trigger results, make things happen. He is always, constantly, ever involved he is not distant. He is a very present help in the time of need. And his thoughts are muy accurate. That means very accurate. Number two, God's thoughts for me are numerous. This is a good one. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. 17 and 18 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How precious, valuable, how important, just that you think about me. And look at the rest of it. Verse, verse uh, 18. How vast is the sum of them. Look, there are so many of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. I was recently at the shoreline at the Gulf, and I walked the sand. And, uh, you know, to try to count the sand is absurd because there's just so much of it. These little micro-grains and you just, as soon as you count the surface of a quarter, you know, little inch by inch, uh, square inch, then it's also a cubic inch. And then it's, you know, several feet deep. And so, you know, basically what God's saying is, I've got your deal figured out. I've got your kids figured out. I've got your finances figured out. I've got your career figured out. I've got your future figured out. I've got eternity figured out for you. And you could go, come to him with this, this foundational confidence and um, it'll assuage anxiety. It'll get us out of fear. It'll get us into the reverential fear of the Lord because he's looking at us, he's thinking about us, and uh, his, he's, he's loving toward us. He's not weak toward us, he's mighty in us. 
How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. This is King James, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. This passage assures us that the Lord has many thoughts about each and every one of us. He cares about you. Can I tell you, he loves you, cares about your deal, and that you as an individual, your personhood, your individuality is a precious, it's God's idea. Uh, There's no one like you. Your fingerprints are different than mine. Your iris is different than mine. Your DNA is different than mine. And, And there are no two of us alike. And God must really, really like variety because look what he's done. Even in a local church like ours, there's so much variety. I want to say it's decorated very eclectic. And I like it that way. I like it that, that if we follow the Holy Spirit, he's going to assemble in these various local churches uh, a breed uh, corresponded to one another that he can do his stuff through. And it, but it all boils down to us. This is why this is foundational and has made it into the foundational teaching. You need to understand, generally, you and I, we're made in God's image. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, King David said. And uh, we're made and created for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And uh, so his thoughts are toward us, and they're, they're numerous. There's a lot of variety coming out of heaven. And he looks at us and he has these plans for welfare and not calamity to give us a future and a hope. His thoughts are so abundant. They're more than the grains of sand that that bar away the ocean waves. They're they're more numerous to be conceived than the human mind can even figure out. It's awesome. It's awesome. The, The treasured ideas God has concerning each and every one of us. He has plans for us. He has purposes for us. Number three. God's thoughts for you and me are not intermittent, but they're constant. God's thoughts are constant. Somebody said to me that they were grateful I was emotionally present. And um, you know, I was like, huh? I mean, if you ask my wife, she might not think that all the time, but, or my kids, but thank you that you thought that. But it pales any of the best of that on the human level, pales in comparison to just how amazing and present God is. He's a very present help in trouble. He's with us in high times. He's with us in hard times, right? And it says in Psalm 139, again in verse 18, when I awake, I am still with you. I am still with you. When I awake, isn't that great? I'm still with you. The best part of our Christian life is the presence of God. You young people, You're young and you're formative. Your parents have presented the gospel to you, but they didn't cram it down your throat. And in fact, they held it out to you and said, you guys, this is what we've embraced. We are raising you in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We want you very much to serve the Lord. And you've, out of respect, you honored your parents. And then at a certain point, though, you've come into young uh, uh, teenage life, then now maturity, you're coming into maturity. You learn how to drive and all that stuff, working jobs and things. And I want this for myself is your message. I see it on you guys. So when I come to church, you actually inspire me because you've reached that conclusion, the Whitman kids I'm talking about. And, um, you know, there are widows in here right now that got up early, got dressed up, put on their lipstick, came to church, and um, they're pressing past their grief. They've got their eyes on Jesus. there's There's more game left in them, right? 
That inspires me. People that are recently saved, I'm hugely inspired because God's adding to the church daily those who are being saved. I come on a Friday night and they baptize 14, 15 people, and I just think, God, that, that's you doing that. You're the author and the finisher of this. And then I hear about answers to prayer and I see breakthrough in your lives. Or I see you going through trial and I know when I wake up, you're still with me. Aren't you grateful? You don't wake up and he's not there. Say this with me. When I awake, I am still with you and you're still with me. (laughs) God's thoughts are constant. And uh, it's just amazing. Psalm 139.5, look what it says. Psalm 139 verse 5 says it this way about this. It says, you've enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Woo! Don't you love it that God's hand's on your life? God's hand's on your kids. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's hand's on you. You know, when God's hand is on you, it's assuring. It's steadying. It's amazing. And uh, when God's hand was on Elijah, he could outrun a chariot, uh, which was radical. God's hand was on Moses and sustained him through the challenges that he had never been through before. Can I say as a generation, can I say even as a church, we as individuals have never passed this place before. These, there's some unprecedented things going on right now. So it's good for us to go to the foundation. Nothing takes God by surprise. I'm preaching to you that his thoughts are toward you. He cares about you. They're constant. They're accurate. They're abundant, right? It's so important to know this because uh, Hebrews 11.6 says, He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And, uh, you know, it says, The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now listen to this. Uh, Psalm 18, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. The Lord is on my side. One time a news person came in and wrote an article about our church. God on their side was the title of the article. I thought, wow, they never even talked to me personally. They just came in and said, God on their side. And uh, that, that's a good testimony. They, God, hey, God is with you. The, the Lord's blessed you. Look at somebody say, the Lord's blessed you. Number four, God's thoughts for us are all for helpfulness. God's thoughts for me are for helpfulness. Psalm 138.8, look what it says here. I love this verse, quoted all the time. The Lord will accomplish or perfect that which concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. I will cry unto the Most High, unto God that performs all things for me. He's our He's our accomplishing God. He he only does wondrous things. You talk about follow through. When he tells us not to lag behind in diligence, he doesn't tell us to do something he's not willing to do. He is faithful to the nth degree. The accurate, numerous, constant thoughts of the Lord are all for the purpose of helping us to reach the end and accomplish the purpose for which we are set apart. We are Did you know since before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew you? Did you know God has his hand on your life? Did you know he has your name recorded in heaven as you surrendered your life to him? 
Did you know you're born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, which lives and abides forever? Did you know that He hears and He answers your prayer? Did, he know, did you know that when you speak to the mountains, those mountains have to be removed because He's given you authority? Did you know you're anointed with fresh oil today? That this is, in fact, the day the Lord has made. We are going to rejoice and be glad in it. Sorrow does last for the evening. We do go through heartache and trial, but it'll wipe away all of our tears. I just have a burden to tell you that God's thoughts are not your thoughts and his ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. Verse 9 of Isaiah 55, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, and that's what David started out with, that I consider the moon and the stars, the work of your fingers, what God, what you've made, what is man that you're so mindful of him? God, that you actually love Larry, you love Jean, you love Virgil, you love Ed, you love, and you care about Suzanne, you care about, yeah, I mean, Tony, God's done such great things for each one of us. When your wife passed and you and your son came and just pressed into God, God's been with you in trouble. He's been with you through hard times, coach. He's been with you through hard times. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. The Schneebergers know that. It's become part of the, it's a core element that works in all their household with their triplets. It's amazing what the Lord's done, what we've been through. People come and people go, and yet God causes us to stay anchored and tethered to his purposes. It's like, God, where else could I go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted, no matter how people murmur, what I feel, what allures to this or that. I'm going to, as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. Let's all stand up on our feet. Hallelujah. God commends his love toward us. Romans 5.8, in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for sinners. The mercy and love and grace of God for humanity are expressed abundantly in this significant gift of his dear son, Jesus Christ, that we might actually have eternal life in without cessation, but also in abundance. A quality of life, not just quantitative, but the God kind of life that comes into the believer. His love is superb, it's supreme, it's stabilizing, it has substance, it's consistent. And so therefore, our souls rest in this precious foundational truth that God's thoughts are toward us as a heavenly father. I'm watching my son Taylor yesterday. He brought his little daughter to our breakfast and we had, uh, and I watched Steve with his son Trent and I watch how they guard them when they're climbing up on the couch and they they do trust falls and jump into their dad's arms and I've watched this over and over again we earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to our children how much more everybody say how much more will my heavenly father give good gifts to me lift up your hands say this with me God's hand is on my life his thoughts are toward me Therefore, his purposes shall surely come to pass in my personal life, in my household, around my loved ones, in my church, in the United States of America, in this season we're in. We bind the devil over the nations. We command mountains to be moved. We pray the prayer of faith. We trust you, Lord. We lift up our eyes. We see that our redemption draws nigh. Jesus is soon to come back 
to a glorious church without spot or blemish. And I trust you, Lord, to include me in all your vital purposes, all the resourcefulness, all the skill levels, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit flourishing in my case. My God is gonna see me through all the way to the end because we're trading our sorrow. We're laying it down in the name of the Lord. Lord, yes, Lord, yes.